Welcome into the Denver Stiff Show. I'm your host, Ryan Blackburn. We are sitting in the living room of the esteemed Jenna Garcia after the watch party for the Denver Stiffs. It was a lot of fun. We had a great time at Stoney's Uptown. Had a great... I mean, it was it was, it was was good. I, I definitely enjoyed being around all the fans, meeting everybody, it saying hi. It was still a fun party. It I can't believe that party. this is your podcast voice. Yeah, this is his podcast. This is an amazing podcast. Is it good? Is it yeah, it's pretty good. solid. Okay, hey, you I'm... like you like went from like a seven to a nine. Well, like hey. you definitely like after Stoney's, like <laughs> you were definitely like teetering a little bit, and in the podcast you're like, oh, I'm back up here, I'm back in this bitch. Let's go. Um... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, you definitely alive in my spirits over here. Oh well. Okay. <laughs> you are hearing the voices of, on my left, a coughing Jenna Garcia. Jenna, how are you? I'm sick. Is she sick? She's I still sick. made it to the to Stoney's. I still had a great time. It was so much fun. Every single watch party, like, I met so many people who follow me on Instagram and Twitter, and I appreciate everybody who, like, reached out and pulled me aside to say what's up. Um, and it shocks me every time, honestly. And sure. I brought three guys home from the bar so what's up hell yeah we are her side pieces uh (laughs) sitting on the ground in front of me is an interesting guest that i didn't think i would ever be having on this podcast it is denver stiff's rapids beat writer jake shapiro jake how are you uh well i'm playing with a dog so uh jenna's dog and i i mean jenna's dog and i are going steady uh, I did not most, most people, th- most people think it's like, like people see me and Jenna's re- like relationship on Twitter, and they're like, something must be going on. It's that I love Jenna's dog. That's yeah. it, honestly. So like, that's you, the only reason you're over here. You yeah. don't need to ask us anymore if we're dating. Like, it's it's <laughs> dating meme corduroy. My dog. It's meme corduroy. <laughs> There's so many people who ask that. Uh, on my right is I'm gonna call you honorary stiff. How about that? That sounds. I think that's a that's a pretty thanks. decent title. That is dope. yeah. Uh, thanks for that. That's fan <laughs> a fan of the program, Luke Hutchinson. He's a good friend of friend Jenna's, of good friend of mine, good friend of the pod, and we're just gonna we're gonna my have him on and on <laughs> get get some get some good fan opinion of what's going on with this Nuggets team right now. And if you watch the game, it was not good, not not a great time, and and. It, it really put a damper on the watch party, unfortunately, where the Nuggets looked like they were competing, and then things just clearly fell apart. And I don't know if they like. At what point did you think they were competing? I thought that when they brought it back at the end of the first half and got it within ten, it was it was within single digits at that point, and they looked a lot better. They looked they looked just better, I would say. And and I really I liked the lineup. Of, it was constant. Clippers. Did they did the Nuggets even have a on. lead at From any point, point in this game? No, no, they, no they did not. Exactly. But as a fan, I lost hope in like the middle of the third. So I, I feel like it because was... Because you hold on to hope because you think that Jamal Murray will bring out second quarter Jamal Murray and it didn't happen today. Yeah, I mean, that is definitely true, but I feel like at times during the first half they were teasing us where they would like tease it to like six-point deficit or an eight-point deficit. I don't know. Uh, maybe I'm wrong with the six-point deficit, but they would take okay. it to eight. So, so. so let's talk about it then. Let's talk about it. This game finished up with the Clippers winning 132-103. to It wasn't really as close as that 30-point margin indicates. It was it was pretty much a beatdown after, after the first half. 
Nikola Jokic came to play. He was clearly very good tonight. Had 21 points, 9 of 13 from the field. Made some really difficult shots. I thought he was clearly at his best shot-making-wise tonight. Uh, missed a couple threes, but it is what it is. I, he, he made so many incredible shots tonight. The rest of the team, though, didn't really bring a lot. Did not... Did not bring a lot of energy. But don't you think Nikola, he's the superstar. He should be bringing more than 21 points. Okay. In a situation like this, how does he take over the game? Fundamentally, your arguments are all wrong. Like let's put it this way: you like you started you started with <laughs> you started with you started with shot making, right? And yeah. he says you need more than twenty-one points. You can't let up hundred and thirty-three points on the road to the Clippers defense, and expect to sure. win. It's all defense. And Mike Malone, for all of his annoyances oh. that you guys face of preaching defense, like he's completely right. Like you can't win games without defense, and that's been the Nuggets' problems. They have no rim protection, and it starts from the rim out. Like you want to start with three-point shooting in the NBA, right? Okay, no, it all starts from the rim out. The most efficient shot in basketball is a layup. They cannot guard against layups. Tell right Tory Craig that. Right. Well, Tory, okay, you know what? And Tory Craig, I love him. He's great. I love how he hustles, but he's not a good defender. He just hustles. Like, the Nuggets have a really big problem on defense, and they didn't address it at the trade deadline. They haven't addressed it in years, and Mike Malone's trying to address it. All right, with simmer down, Jakey. Simmer down. I think what they want to do is Sorry. They, Part-time Nuggets season ticket holder. They... they <laughs> don't think they need to address it because they think that Gary Harris has the goods and Gary Harris normally does have the goods but he hasn't had the goods for a while. Yeah, I'm I'm concerned about the starting lineup in it's particular. It's time to be concerned. Uh, I want to wait. I want to go back to the first part where you said Nicola didn't give it up and I don't think that's true. I think that Jamal didn't show up tonight. I think that Jamal has given the Nuggets way more over the first half of January before he got hurt and then also over the course of February, when he's come back, he was averaging like 19 points a game. Gave us 11 points tonight. Just yeah, I'm I'm not as worried about the offense, guys. Like they they only played really three quarters, and uh, when you when you count on Nikola Jokic's stat line, he only played three quarters worth of time. So you give him another six or seven points in the fourth quarter, and he's up to 27, 28. How much more do you really want from the guy? Like he he was he was still very good. I, I think they should like give in him a takeover more. mode. You know, sure, like sure. Steph Curry, like LeBron, like these players who can take over a game. This would have been a great game to see him really dominate and take over, and, and he didn't. And I and I and it's not totally his fault because if the ball was getting to him yeah. more often, he could take over. Right? I think it's I think it's less that you hit it on the nail right there. Hit the nail on the head right there. Um, this team really struggles getting him the ball at some points. And they clearly struggled with the ball pressure that Kawhi Leonard, Paul George, Patrick Beverly, really great, really solid defenders. Hell, even Marcus Morris was pretty good tonight. Those guys put up so much pressure on Denver's starting unit, and Gary Harris disappeared. And Paul Millsap disappeared. And when it comes down to Jamal Murray having to get all of his points against Kawhi Leonard... I, I give him a pass for that, especially in this game. Will Barton, he really struggled tonight too, and it wasn't all just because he was being guarded by Paul George or, or Patrick Beverly or Kawhi Leonard or anything like that. He made a lot of dumb mistakes, and the Nuggets can't have that if they're going to compete with a team like the Clippers. They, you, you, can't, you can't let that happen. But enough, enough about the offense. You are right. The defense is probably the biggest story tonight. The Nuggets had no answer for Paul George and for Kawhi Leonard. 
Kawhi had 19 points. He was plus 15. Paul George had 24 points. He was plus 18. Those guys basically played the entire game and staggered their minutes for the entire time. And the Nuggets just did not look like they could handle any of those guys at any point. Uh, Jeremy Grant gave an effort, but he wasn't great. Gary Harris gave an effort, but he was too small. Will Barton was too small, clearly. Um, and then Torrey Craig didn't really give anything when he was out there either. So I am curious. I'll, I'll get Luke's opinion first on this one. Uh, how do they defend those guys? What are What do you think... Do they have an answer? Is there an answer to defending a guy like Kawhi or a guy like Paul George on the Nuggets roster? So, I'm excited to see everyone else's opinion on this, but I just, based on like watching Kawhi throughout the season and then specifically this game, I don't think there's an answer that the Nuggets have for Kawhi, but I don't honestly think that there's an answer that the NBA has for Kawhi. I think that you could only find that answer if... LeBron or Giannis went up against him one He may be the best player in the I, league right now. Just like so or at least the best playoff player. Completely agree. There was just this one play specifically. I forget who was guarding Kawhi one on one, but he was just like, like it felt like I was watching like a quarterback on the play. Like he was like waiting for Jokic to move away from the defense so he could drive the baseline floor to the hoop, and he got a bucket because he waited for Jokic to move away. And he's just like he's. He's more physically talented than who's ever guarding him, and then he's more cerebral. Cerebral. That's not a word, but whatever. He's just he's he knows what's going on he's way more than anybody else on the court. Basketball so, IQ. So I would just I would say it doesn't really matter who the Nuggets can put on him because it's not feasible to actually hope to stop him. Jake, what do you think? This entire Nuggets season is going to come down to the playoffs. Like whatever happens in the first eighty-two doesn't matter. Like this Nuggets season is entirely predicated on the playoffs and. You look at the team, and they have a pretty clear stopper of whoever the best team's player is, and that is Paul Millsap. Like, Paul Millsap, you put him on LeBron, you put him on Kawhi Leonard, he's going to slow that slow that guy down. The problem is, those two teams have another guy that happens to be also another top 10 guy in the league, and Anthony Davis and Paul George. And who the hell do you put on that guy if you're the Nuggets? And right now, Gary Harris is not that guy. Torrey Craig can't be that guy because you don't want Torrey Craig playing 30 minutes in a playoff game. So who do you put on that guy? And I don't think they have an answer to that. And I think that's ultimately going to be the Nuggets' downfall if they don't hit their shots like they didn't tonight. My biggest problem right now is I've been saying this all year so far. The Clippers ain't shit. Like, the Clippers ain't shit. Like, for real. Like, you look at them, they have legitimately no cohesion. They have no ability to figure themselves out in terms of their cutting. Their passing is lousy. Like even their pick and roll game between Harold and Beverly and Lou Williams hasn't been as good as it has been in past years. And yet they're tied with the Nuggets in the standings. So the Nuggets who had basically the same team return from last year, were supposed to have about a five game lead on about everyone at this point in the standings. And they don't. And they're not looking to get any better anytime soon. Porter doesn't look like he's going to get any more minutes anytime soon. So I'm trying to figure out where the improvement's going to come from this Nuggets team, and I can't actually find it anymore. And that's where my hope starts to dwindle with this Nuggets team. Whereas with the Clippers, it's like, okay, more cohesion you get between Paul George and Kawhi Leonard playing minutes. That actually might help them. Because right now I look at it and I go, the Clippers may not succeed in the playoffs just based simply on the fact that Kawhi Leonard and Paul George haven't played that much minutes together which is what brought down the Warriors last year. <clears throat> yeah, and, and I, I don't disagree with you. There is something to be said that if you don't expect Michael Porter Jr. to play or play well, 
then where does this team's next gear come from? Who is going to make that step up? Who is going to become the best player in a series like that? I think Nikola Jokic can be the best guy, but the Nuggets need to have another guy who really steps up and can match the physical and skilled dominance of a Paul George and Kawhi Leonard. And Jamal Murray didn't do that tonight. He was he was fine. He made some good shots mm-hmm. when like it was it was like five of twelve for eleven points, I think the number was, but that's not really It's not even fun. It's not it's not gonna cut it. Like that's that's just Definitely not, not who it is and the issue is too, like they have MPJ who brings that offensive fire to the court and you you think like, okay, we need offense, so let's put MPJ in, but then you need defense and MPJ is lacking in his like intelligence on the court as far as like his defensive rotations go. He's not the most like basketball savvy player. He's basketball gifted, but he's not basketball savvy necessarily like Nicola is. Nicola is basketball savvy and therefore gifted. Sure. But yeah. MPJ is gifted and doesn't have like that mental side of the game totally under control yet. Not that he couldn't get there, but he but he's not there yet. And then you have Tory Craig who is willing to just like flail all over the court to play the best defense that he can play, right? So he's willing to like sacrifice his body countless times on the floor. And so you get MPJ for offense or Tory Craig for defense, but you don't have something combined where you're like, this is my perimeter defender and he can drop down three-point shots. And even like Grant, Grant has been that guy in a couple of situations in a couple of games, but he couldn't hit a three tonight. Uh, I, you know, yeah, like let me one, let me push back two. on that a little bit because he did put up twenty tonight. He was he was pretty good, and when he he had the opportunity, he was one of the only guys who could get to the free throw line. He also had a lot of minutes to do that within. Well, but yeah, you got to get somebody who could do it. Like I'm just it's saying, not like, like Gary MPJ, Harris or what he played four minutes in the yeah. first half. He could have done more. If I think that's exactly what you're talking about. I think that's exactly what you're talking about. The savviness, like. Even when he was playing a lot, I wouldn't even say a lot of minutes, but like more minutes than we're used to recently against the Pistons, he would just like go off into the corner and sit there like that, like that token white guy on the pl- on the on the playground court. Like you know, just sit there in the corner, and be like, "Hey, I'm here. I exist. Please pass me the ball." Like, which Michael Porter is not a token white guy. offers, unlike any of their other options at forward besides Paul Millsap. Is that he's a really good rebounder? Yes. And that's one of the areas the Nuggets have completely struggled with. Yeah. But he is he is really good at getting his nose to the basketball, and that's why I actually have hope that Porter could be a good defensive player in the future. Yeah, he's not going to change the game defensively, but I think he'll be solid in the future. Whereas right now, like I would legitimately just put him out on the floor on the fifth worst offensive player on the other team, and just have him crash for the board. Because his offense is that good and his rebounding is that solid, whereas Grant's rebounding is so bad. It's not. It's not, it's not good. It's, it's crazy that he's not as good as he should be on the board because he's right there. Also, like he's like closest to the basket, where I feel like Porter has to get close to the basket. Like he's not. Porter's playing a three, right? So he's more on the perimeter offensively. Right. So like his opportunities to rebound are less, but yet he does it better than what Grant's doing. I did, I did like what I saw from the Jeremy Grant, Paul Millsap, Nikola Jokic lineup tonight. I thought that that's probably going to be their best counter for what the Clippers like to do. And that's it's all size. Be big on the wing. Yeah. It's all size, exactly. which is what we were talking about at the trade deadline, like hoping that they wouldn't have this size problem, but yet they do. They so still do. I, yeah, and, and that's – well, the problem is that the, the size that they have is off the bench. 
And if you don't play one of those guys, then you automatically so become smaller. what's the smaller. solution? It's, in, it, in in this particular case against this particular team, the Nuggets are going to have to change their starting lineup. Yep. Two. I I mean you know my feelings about it. You I, might have to play Grant and Millsap together. Quite honestly, I think I think that's probably a good pairing to have. But I think but you Malone go with, is this guy who is willing to like do any lineup supposedly he is. any lineup for matchups. He always says like to guys like all guys sh- all the guys should be ready. Because you don't know whose number is going to get called for what particular matchup. That's what he said since last season when Barton was benched in the playoffs and Torrey got the start. I think the starting lineup... He didn't do that tonight. I think the starting lineup probably has to be Murray, Barton, Porter, Millsap, Jokic. And then the first guy you bring off the bench is Jeremy Grant. And that's just another 6'8", 6'9", guy that you can throw at those players and say, hey, look, we're going to give as much size to you as possible. Right, because you don't actually have the defensive ability. What, what? Why not start that so way? Like, why you, do we have to have the starters if we, be those guys? Because you like, need to stagger those forward minutes because you don't have that size. Because what happens all of a sudden if you don't stagger the minutes between uh, Millsap and Grant, you're all of a sudden playing Plumlee out But we're there. talking about playing Grant and Millsap together. Right, so what I'm I think that's a rotation. I think that's probably something that you, like, hey, it's it's winning time. It's it's hey, this is this is the end of the second half, this, or this is the end of the first half, end of the fourth quarter. This is our lineup that we're going to put out there, and I honestly think that lineup could be Murray, Porter, Grant, Millsap, Jokic, and just play Porter at the two, go super big, and try to match them size for size. Because I was not impressed with what I saw from Gary Harris and Will Barton tonight. And that's that's going to be the biggest thing is that hey, if you're not going to be able to deal with that ball pressure, what are you doing? What are what is the what is the next thing? So uh, let's take a quick break. When we come back, I will talk about the we'll talk about Porter a little bit more. I think that that has to be talked about. We'll talk about the bench and then some of the long term ramifications for this game. Uh, the Nuggets and Clippers are now tied for the two seed. It's going to be a race. We'll be right back. Stiff Show. I'm your host, Ryan Blackburn, joined today by Jenna Garcia, Jake Shapiro, and Luke Hutchinson. Having a grand old time. We had a great time at the watch party, and it was it was tough that they lost, but hey, if you haven't been to one of our watch parties and you're listening to this podcast and thinking, oh man, that it did sound like a lot of fun, you should come down. The place was packed tonight, and there were a bunch of Nuggets fans cheering on, socializing, having a great time. I know everybody in this room can attest to the fact that everybody was super pumped to be there. Everybody was really excited to cheer on the Nuggets tonight. And it's too bad that they didn't deliver, and it's too bad that they, they lost and, and kind of crapped the bed on another national TV game, and that's, that is what it is. But <laughs> well, At least the, the bar was showing it on altitude, so I got to pretend like it wasn't on national <laughs> Yeah, game. exactly. Like, yeah, this, we just blocked that out. It's fine. It's My fine. favorite take, by the way, and I know there's one fan sitting at home like, oh, they knew it was on national TV and they sucked. 
These guys legitimately have no idea when games are on national TV, unless it's like the TNT Thursday night game or like a Sunday afternoon game on ABC. I've covered baseball and all this other stuff for long enough to know that most of these guys legitimately do not know what day of the week it is. <laughs> well, baseball's different though, because you really you literally play every day and it's literally either a game day or an off day. And and as somebody who has gone through that schedule before, like it's literally a game day or an off day. And you really hope it's an off day sooner rather than later. Uh, but That's the let's let's get into it. As I said, Nuggets and Clippers tied for the two seed now. This is going to be a storyline going into the rest of the season. Nuggets are now forty nine and twenty. They have tw- I think are forty and tw- forty and twenty, right? Yeah, forty and twenty. They are, or maybe it's forty and nineteen. I don't I don't even know. I think they have 23 games left. Yeah, so they're 40 and 19, 23 games left. Uh, that's it's not a lot of time. That's that's about three quarters of the way through the season at this point now, and we're starting to figure out who this team is. We're starting to figure out what they can be. But I gotta ask you, Jenna. Let, I'll start with you. Uh, with the schedule the way that it is, the Nuggets are facing a pretty tough schedule now. Other teams are facing a weaker schedule. Do you think that the Nuggets can keep the two seed, and do you think that they should? Like, should they go all out for it? Yes, I do. I do think I think that this team is a team that thrives when things are difficult. I think this is a team that thrives under adversity. For whatever reason, Malone loves like having to play hard all the time. Yeah. Like Malone wants to play one hundred and ten percent. 100% and 10% of the time. <laughs> like, he wants yeah, to always play true. hard. He That's what his place, like, his coaching style is, is, like, give 110% all the time. And um, really, that's not feasible, and it's not really a lot of coaches nowadays aren't coming, coming at NBA players thinking that way because they've realized that, like, it's a long season and there's a lot more... Um, management of your rest yeah where Malone isn't really about that and he says his players aren't about it and like you you look at like Jamal Murray Jamal Murray's not about resting he's about playing in every single game whether it's what's best for the team or not Nicole Jokic is the same way exactly he won't sit out a game if you can help it exactly and I think that they're they want the second seed they know they can have it they know that they can do it and I think that they like the fact that they're going to be going up against a tough schedule just keeps them like on their toes as opposed to it's going to suck for playoffs because they won't feel rested but it's what's best for this team as how they are because I think that if they were to have an easy schedule right now then they'd be less prepared for playoffs than they are going to be with what the schedule is as is Luke what do you think? Um, I lost track of what the exact question <laughs> we're, we're having residual effects of our of our watch party going on right now uh, <laughs> sorry <laughs> that's okay uh, basically do the nuggets should they be going after this two seed right now should they be trying to keep this two seed yes Despite their yeah. Difficult I mean yeah they, I mean they, they've shown I mean they have shown I mean I understand it's just regular season games but they've shown that they would really much struggle with doing a seven game series with the Clippers and the Lakers so, I mean, obviously they're going to have to do either of those. But, yeah, they should definitely strive for the two seed because they 
why why else would you play the games? I don't I don't I don't understand. I thought the I thought the point of the game, and obviously the Nuggets feel this way. Jokic wants to play every game that possible. I mean, he said that earlier this week to to media members who asked, and like Malone even said that too. He's like he has trouble getting players to not play. Like that's the way that the Nuggets walk into the locker room. So I, I mean, I understand the question. I just don't understand the point of it. Like the Nuggets are going to do everything they can to play every single game, and they're going to play every single game to the most that they can. Whether they play it effectively or not is the question. Let me let me change up the question just a little bit and ask it to Jake. Jake, do you think they need the two seed? Yeah, I mean, given who is the three and who they run into in the second round, there's a clear-cut difference between, one, the six and the seven in the West, where those tiers are. I mean, I think you'd run into Oklahoma City or Dallas, most likely, with the sixth seed. Yeah, uh, Utah's down there, too. Right, like, I mean, Utah's a team I wouldn't want to run into if I was Denver, besides that. Like, all those six seed teams, like, that's fine. That's a five- or six-game series sure. where you feel pretty confident about. And then if you're the two seed, you're running into the three, you get home court advantage, whereas you're the three. So, yeah, I think I think they do need the two seed if they plan to go to the Western Conference Finals, which is, I think, where the designs of this season are. So um, you think they need the home court in the yeah. second round? Yeah. I mean, I, I really do, because, like, you look at what happened last year. Like, if Mike Malone simply just plays Mason Plumley for two minutes in an overtime, like, they, they win a seven-game series against Portland, in my mind, or if the refs don't absolutely go crazy. And I'm not someone that thinks refs decide games with someone that covers sports for a living. Um, but I think one of the things that you guys don't cover enough, as someone that watches the Nuggets pretty diligently but rarely actually covers them is how much of an old-school coach Mike Malone is uh, in the modern day of the NBA. Like, the Nuggets playing inside-out style. Everyone else in the NBA is playing outside-in. Um, Perimeter-oriented, whereas the Nuggets have to play inside-out given the fact that the best player is an inside-out player. But you look at the way they run their rotations, the way they run their lineups, it's a very old-school approach to the NBA. The way they really attack every single game. There's no load management with the Nuggets. It's very old school. Mm-hmm. And I'm curious as to know uh, if that's the correct way in the day of data information and the way everyone else is going. I mean, I know the Nuggets have information stats. Like, I, I earn information uh, uh, staff, and, and they're pretty intelligent. Like, I've talked to these guys when they're out at Colorado Buffalo's basketball games in terms of what they think. And Mike Malone has this at his privy. And it's not like Mike Malone doesn't use this. Like, the Nuggets are very good at taking three-point shots and getting inside, just like every other team in the NBA. And in fact, if you look at one of the things that was the difference between the San Antonio series and the Portland series last year, the Nuggets' defense got so screwed up in that, sacri- uh, in that San Antonio series because they had to guard the mid-range shot, which they hadn't been guarding the prior month, two months prior, and then they had to go back to guarding only the perimeter in that Portland series. It really screwed up their defense. So I'm trying to figure out if Mike Malone, as an old-school coach, can actually be successful in the modern-day NBA because I agree with a lot of Mike Malone's philosophies. I think Mike Malone happens to be a really good coach, especially for where he's paid compared to where other coaches are paid in the NBA and what he's working with. One star player and a bunch of dudes right now. I mean, I love Jamal Murray as much as anyone, but there are a bunch of dudes around Nikola Jokic. So I have some fundamental questions about the Nuggets where 
I'm trying to figure out, can they actually be an old school team that be successful in the NBA? Because the Lakers are trying to prove that model. It just so happens the Lakers happen to have the two best forwards of the last 15 years, maybe NBA, on their team right now. Yeah, so let me, let me uh, I'll, I'll defend Michael Malone for a second here. He has a really tough job with this rotation of trying to get everything into the right place. The Nuggets clearly haven't figured that out yet. They haven't figured out the the right mix of players to play well for 48 minutes at a time. It's it's taken them so long. It's, it's They haven't matched up well in a lot of these games against these elite teams, especially with their bench lineups. Uh, but with regard to the load management stuff, the Lakers aren't exactly load managing either. LeBron James is pretty much playing every game if possible. Anthony Davis, same thing. Those guys are still playing a bunch of minutes. LeBron's playing 36 minutes. And the Bucks so. are only load managing their way through blowouts. Like, they're only resting Giannis <laughs> in the fourth quarter. Yeah, exactly. Like, like they, Giannis is playing every game if, if, if they can help it. Uh, Chris Middleton's playing every game. Like, I, the concept of load management is really, it's really heavy on the Clippers. Like, the Clippers are very well known for it because they have Kawhi Leonard, because Paul George has been injured this year. But very few teams do it like super regularly to the point that you're you're concerned that that's actually happening. Uh, Russell Westbrook sits out back to backs for Houston, uh, things like that. Like it's it's very standard around the NBA to to just give everybody a night off here. But all there. the guys you're talking about are quick t- twitch players. Jamal Murray is that. Instead of Jamal Murray resting on back-to-backs, Jamal Murray taking any sort of time where he might play 20 minutes in a game instead of 30, Jamal Murray is out there playing through like pretty drastic injuries. And I mean, as a fan, I absolutely fucking adore Jamal Murray. Like as a hockey player, I adore Jamal Murray as a, a Canadian kid, like just going out there and playing through anything. But I'm sitting there in the back of my mind knowing that that's probably not going to be the best thing come playoff time because all these other guys are going to have that one extra half step and Jamal's going to be out there kind of dragging a little bit because he's played 82 mm. through some injuries. And that's what happened. I mean, Jamal was great in the playoffs. Jamal and Nicola was the only reason they got in the second round of Game 7 of the playoffs. But you look at how that Portland series went. Jamal started to get tired and more tired as that series went along. And I'm just trying to figure out if maybe sitting him out for one game in the regular season may give him five extra minutes come July. You know, I think I think they would be more likely and more willing to do that, especially if that series, like if they had another guy that they could trust. But right now it's the Jokic and Murray show. And, and Will Barton has been really struggling of late. You're not getting anything major from Gary Harris. Paul Millsap is fluctuating in terms of his effectiveness when he's faced with an elite defender a lot of times he's not really going at him it's, it's he's he's playing a, a complementary role to everybody else uh, this team has a lot of things to figure out and and I don't think that they need the two seed in order to in order to be at their best and and, and win a title or, or whatnot but I think they need a top three seed I think they need to stay away from the Lakers for as long as possible and then just get lucky. That's, that's, that's where we're at with this. Uh, let's talk about Michael Porter Jr. real quick because we, we did talk about them a, a little bit in the first segment. Is he that third guy? Is he the guy that helps Jamal if Jamal's not the 
Ask Michael Malone. Isn't this every single podcast you guys do? It's it's been. Malone. I'm getting tired of talking about it. I really am. But but it, this is a talking. If you're asking it every single week, then it's the, yeah, the like, answer like, is pretty. I cool. think that Michael Porter Jr. himself is getting tired of answering that question I mean, just because like today. Because I mean, yeah, he played no minute. I mean, he played four minute, four legitimate minutes, nine total minutes. Five of those were just blowout minutes at the end of the fourth. But, like, I understand the players are frustrated at the end of the loss. But, like, Michael Singer from the Denver Post wanted to talk to him at the end of the game. He's like, I'm not talking to you because he just doesn't want to talk. Because he also is tired of talking about this. He doesn't understand what's going on. And I think that's added on to the frustration. I mean, I, th- I think, I, Jake, we've watched countless games where he's just getting berated by Michael Malone at random moments at different games for absolutely, from at least my perspective, no reason. Because while I, I also understand that Michael Porter Jr. is insanely talented, and this is probably the most coachable he'll ever be in his entire career, I feel like Michael Malone is pushing that way past the limit to really try and coach him up. But it just feels like at every single moment that you can just utilize his talent and let him work through his own struggles as any NBA player needs to, he doesn't let him do it. You know, you know what it looks like and, and feels like to me? It, it reminds me a lot of how Greg Popovich attacked Tony Parker earlier in, in his career. Clearly a very talented player, clearly the future of the team, clearly deserves more time than he gets, but he gets benched at, at a certain point, and you have to you have to earn your time with the coach. And uh, it's yeah, it's. I just don't know if the, that type of coaching is antiquated at this point. It's it very well might not be, and I, I'm I'm getting to the point right now where I'm having trouble justifying Malone not playing Porter because he was good tonight. I thought he was pro- like in the limited minutes that he had, in the limited time that he had, he was tied for the fifth highest point total. He played like two minutes. What are we talking about here? Like the the guy shot three or four from the field. There's got to be a reason Malone's not playing him, though. Yeah, there it has, has to, to be, be something that we are not like privy to. He, yeah, exactly. Yeah. There's, it's not just that he needs to earn minutes, because at this point he has earned his minutes. Yeah. And I think Malone has is very, very aware of that. So, like, there's got to be more to... I mean, it's very situation. clear how Malone bases not, his playing time, though. It, it's it's based off of defense, and whatever you provide offensively is additional. Uh, yeah. So, so, So whatever Porter is screwing up defensively, is something that Mike Malone can't forget. Can't forget. And you know what? I'll put it this way: um, there are certain players that are very talented that can skate by seemingly just on their skill, and it looks like they're not actually trying hard, <laughs> even though they are. And Mike Porter tends to be that type of guy for me. Like Michael Porter is obviously trying to win. But it looks like he's not trying that hard. One, because his basketball IQ isn't there yet. He's a rookie. That's how that works. Two, he isn't that skilled of a defensive player because guess what? He never had to play defense in his entire career until this year. So you have to be able to work with that. And it seems like negative affirmation of that constantly may not be the best route. But again, I am not an NBA coach. I've been around a lot of coaches in my life and that seems to be a go-to and it seems to work over the course of time. What it doesn't seem to do is give guys a lot of confidence in the short term, which is what the Nuggets need because nothing is promised in the NBA. No windows are guaranteed. And right now the Nuggets are in a window where they can do something special and they need Michael Porter to be confident and they need him to play 20 minutes a night. You hit the nail on the head there. When, when I was at South Carolina, I spent a year in the basketball program under Frank Martin, 
who, if, if you're familiar with college basketball, if you're familiar with, with head coaches, Frank Martin of USC is one of the most difficult to play for. He yells the most. He is very angry. He will get on you about defense. He will get on the score, the score operator in practice. That was me. I, I, speaking from experience, he will get on literally everybody who helps the or who doesn't have the the cog in the machine turn. Like you, you are a cog in the machine, and you have to be good, and you have to do your job. And I think at this point, Porter's not doing his job. But the fact is, is that even okay, guys like part of his job. even guys like Gary Harris and Will Barton not doing their job. They were physically dominated tonight I don't know, on man. both sides allowed, of the ball. He's, he's not allowed to do his job. I don't, I, I, this we have we he's not he doesn't play any minutes. He doesn't play enough minutes for us to be able to accurately determine whether he's able to effectively do his job on both ends of the court or not. And like yeah. I understand that he doesn't understand rotations. And like there was a point at the Pistons series where he was way out of position, and Gary Harris laughed at him because he intercepted a pass that was for Gary Harris. So like I understand there's a lot for him to learn, but it's like not even given a chance to do it. And like this is the time where you would hope to have the lessons previously. It's it's oh. time to do more in-game coaching. Is what I will say. Like yeah. I think is, that's the hardest part about coaching, honestly. Yeah. Like, because you can go in with a plan, and then things change. It's the same thing with Bud Black. I think, like, I, I've criticized Bud Black countless times on his in-game decisions because it's hard. It's hard to decide when a player is ready, a pitcher is ready to come off the mound or not ready. It's hard to decide when a player, okay, he's made a few defensive mistakes, but his offense is worth more than that to him. And I think what Malone is struggles with is seeing like. He sees red because of the defensive errors, but he doesn't see any of the offense, you know? Yeah. And it's like, but, Gary Harris is out there, Torrey Craig is out there, but the offensive errors are like should be like bright red to him, but they're not because all he cares about is defense. But again, tonight, 132, 133 they points, whatever defense. it was, on they the road. Yeah, and it's not like Porter was out there for most of that, giving up most of those points. Like, right, and I'm they, still, they still gave Porter. up 132 but like, we're, with But we're playing. proclaiming Torrey Craig. We're pro- proclaiming Gary Harris, these defensive stoppers and these defensive no, maestros. But they I am not. And, yeah. and no, they don't. Like, they don't. Like, Gary Harris, like, I'm not sure what Gary Harris is, what Gary Harris is worth, and I've questioned this since Gary Harris has been injured what two three years ago whenever that injury was he hasn't been the same player since like Gary Harris just hasn't been that good and I can't even trust him to knock down a corner three at this point yeah and and this 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 particular series if this particular series were to happen I think he has to come off the bench or maybe doesn't even play at all because we're in a situation where he's gonna play uh, well and and I mean he, he will not start for like if you get to game three and he's getting dominated, the Nuggets cannot match up physically. He's going to be the first one to change. And, and I don't know what the Nuggets' media perspective is on this, but I've watched enough of the Nuggets to know that, hey, I know they weren't going to re-sign Malik Beasley. I really do know that as someone that follows sports, but they had a chance this year to do something special and to get rid of Malik Beasley for essentially a first-round pick with a couple other things – I don't know if that was the right move because especially the way Will Barton and Gary Harris have struggled over the last two years 
and been completely inconsistent, Malik Beasley seems to be the guy that adds a lot to what they were missing. And yeah, we're talking about defense tonight. Malik Beasley was terrible <laughs> at defense. Awful. But yeah. so was Gary Harris yeah. and Will well, Barton. And at least Malik Beasley had his shots. I, I trust I trust Harris and Barton to figure it out if they're put in spots to succeed. The problem is if you put Malik Beasley out there, who is he guarding? Like like there is no real answer, especially in that starting lineup. Nobody guarded anyone tonight anyway. I think that they can though. I don't think that this is like this impossible giant that they have to that they have to defeat. Like Kawhi Leonard is very good, but the Nuggets have Paul Millsap and Jeremy Grant and some other sizable okay. guys in order to figure that out. But don't you think that that's changed in the NBA? I mean, like over the course of the last championships, aside from Toronto, you had Golden State winning championship after championship because they outscore every team. Not because they out-defend everything. Their defense was unbelievable. Their defense was good, but it no, wasn't... No, their defense was unbelievable. But they outscored every team, hands down. Because their they defense was unbelievable for one, for one major, two major years. But they hit more um, threes than anybody else. They had great offense. And that's what... It, and that's why I'm like, like at what point do you, does Malone... Like, at what point do we say Malone's in the hot seat? Do you think Malone's in the hot seat? <laughs> That's a hot no. take. That's because a hot take. I think he's in the hot seat. Like, if he doesn't get past or at least to the second round, he's in the hot – he might be losing his job. He might not even – like, I don't know. I don't know if he can keep this job, if he if he can take these guys to the next level, if he can't let go of this defense, has to win games perspective. And Ryan, I'm, before you chime in, because I know that you have a lot more to say. Oh, no, but, I want to go break. <laughs> okay, but – for the for the fan perspective, which I feel like that's why I'm here, like completely one thousand percent agree with you on at some point we need to wake up to the fact that it feels like Michael Malone is completely opposite of whatever the hell is happening in the NBA and he need and he's not clearly running a team at in the clutch moments that you would that is gonna win you a championship. But that yes. doesn't have to be a bad thing. Sure, like going against. Are we trying to win championships or not? Because not winning a championship is a bad thing. You know, you can be an innovator by seeing uh, a market inefficiency quicker than other people, rather than following in the footsteps of every other team. And you know what? The entire reason the Rockets are running five out right now and got rid of Quinn Campella was because Mike Malone's defense on Russell Westbrook completely changed the way the NBA was running defense on the Rockets, and they had to do something drastic. So you know what? I trust Mike Malone to figure out an innovative way, but what I don't trust right now is the Nuggets roster. Let's take a break. When we come back, we're going to give some hot takes for the rest of the season. show final segment of the night joined here by jenna jake and luke around this this very yes. small square table uh <laughs> we're it's not a round table it's a square it's a, table. definitely a square table but that's dog. okay you didn't mention corduroy we, corduroy's we, been a valuable contributor to the podcast it's fair yeah i definitely make a lot of noise that's for sure uh, so <laughs> it's okay i'm joking uh, <laughs> actually yeah jake you're, you're throwing around the tennis ball like nobody's business man come on now <laughs> I could sling it. 
It's okay. <laughs> uh, let's. Nikola Jokic. I want to. I want to go back to this offense versus defense discussion before getting into these hot takes because I have a point. The last eight of the last nine NBA champions. Ooh. Uh, very nearly had a mishap here. Uh, eight of the nine last NBA champions are in the top three in terms of their effective field goal percentage. Now, effective field goal percentage is basically, it factors in the value of a shot, whether it's a two-point shot or a three-point shot, and however valuable those shots are is the, the reflection of the effective field goal percentage. This year, two of the top three teams are the Los Angeles Lakers and the Milwaukee Bucks, and I think that that's very standard, and one of those teams is probably going to win the championship this year. It could be the Clippers, too. The Nuggets are not in that caliber. They're middle of the pack in terms of effective field goal percentage, and that's a big problem because I honestly think that that's something that they haven't really focused enough on is guys who can just make shots. The guys in their starting lineup right now do not make shots. Gary Harris has not made a shot in a long time. Uh, Will Barton is he, hes relatively inefficient for what you want from a guy who handles the ball as much as he does. Jamal Murray is not a top-level efficiency guy either. Uh, Paul Millsap is infrequent in terms of his shooting. Nikola Jokic carries this a lot of the time, and he, he passes guys open a lot of the time. But when the Nuggets are on the bench... They're doing the same thing where Mason Plumlee is not the most efficient guy and, and Monte Morris is, is what he is. But he's, he's pretty good, but he is what he is. The Nuggets need another shot maker out there. They need somebody who can efficiently and effectively get their own shots because all of these teams have it. Every single one. I think the Nuggets can win a championship if they are a top five offense and a top ten defense but that's not what they are right now. They're, they've now fallen relatively far on the offensive side. They're in, I think they're in the top 10 offensively and the top 15 defensively, so not quite good enough. The, the formula is nearly there, but they got to figure out this offense thing, man, because they can't go through the dry spells like they did tonight. That is unacceptable if you're going to win a championship. If you're going to win a title, they clearly could not, de- they could not deal with the Clippers. Like that's that's kind of a that's kind of a big deal if you're trying to have this team have championship aspirations. Yeah. Um, okay, hot takes. I want to get each of your hot takes on the year. Does anybody have a hot take that they are willing to share? Malone loses his job after this year if he doesn't take them to the Western Conference Finals. Jeez, it's like a song in here with that take. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's pretty spicy. He did just get the extension earlier this I year. I do. I know. I know. And, and I think that like they really support Malone, and like I don't think anyone has negative or like malice towards Malone. But I just don't think like if he doesn't get them to the Western Conference Finals, he's proven that he's not the guy. He's not the guy to take them even, to the next step. Unfortunately. So even if they face the Lakers or the Clippers in the second Same round, round and, and those teams are very good. They're the two favorites at the beginning of the year. Do you think that they that he still loses his job? Yeah. Wow. That would be, I mean, see, I, I would be surprised about that because I think, I think Malone knows that like you've seen how Malone has been this season. He's, he's been tight. He's been tight. There's been moments yeah. where he's even said nippy, snappy, Remarks with underlying connotation towards somebody's headline or 
somebody. Yeah, he he called out Kisler earlier. Let's be. Oh, let's who be honest doesn't there. call out Kisler? Like that's 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 it was it was want. not great, and mm-hmm. and that's yeah. that's that's, that's more of a reflection of Kisler than it is a reflection of Malone. Thank but you. but still, but still, but I agree. He with knows you. he's on yeah. the hot seat. I think he knows that he's on the hot seat. Otherwise, he's not reading that, and it's not bothering him. He's reading that, and it's like, okay, I hear you, kids. But if it's he's on the hot seat, he's reading that, and it's frustrating him enough to say something to media members about it and I think he knows he's on the hot seat I think he's been on the hot seat all year I think there's really high expectations for this team because of how far they went last year and I think that like Malone might it it would not to me personally say anything about who he is as a coach if he's not the guy to take them to the next step like, he was the guy who got them this far. But you have to... I mean, there's different things that different coaches bring to the table. There's different ways that coaches coach to get different outcomes from guys. And it doesn't devalue Malone to say, you know what, you're not the guy that's going to take them to a championship, but you got them this far. That's a huge step. It's, a, it's, def, it's like a second-grade teacher versus a fourth-grade teacher. Yeah, the second-grade teacher taught them how to read but the fourth grade teacher gets the good grades on the state exams sure it's totally different you know the fourth grade teacher gets a lot more glory because whatever the exam says yeah there's there's, the the foundation that he has set is clearly there Mm -hmm. there's a no-nonsense policy with the nuggets right now that says hey if you can't defend then you're not going to play and that's probably the right course of action for up to a certain point right However, one of the reasons why I think he got that extension was so that he would play Michael Porter Jr. more minutes. But he hasn't. He, he played. He played him during January when everybody was injured. But as soon as everybody as came soon back, as everybody came back. He just fell back into yeah. his regular mode of like trusting these guys. And it's also like a matter of I don't understand because I think MPJ. I was the biggest MPJ, anti-MPJ That's true. That's true. I was, like, totally Malone. You need to earn your minutes. You need to prove that you deserve time on this floor. And he proved it. In every way he could have proved it, he was a good teammate. He waited his turn. He got his minutes. He made the most of his minutes. He has practiced his defense. What more could you ask of MPJ at this point? And you're, like, Malone is all about, like, having guys sign, like, sign up for you know, like sacrifice, and that's why he likes Mason Plumley. That's why he likes Tory Craig because these guys that like won't complain if they don't get to play. But also, it's like you should complain if you don't get to play. Like, how much do you care? How much passion is there behind your game? Because I agree. Yeah. You like that would show more. Jamal Murray's gonna complain if he doesn't get to play, and Jamal Murray's yeah. a great player. Like, he's a competitive guy. I don't know. I just think, like, I'm not sure Malone's the guy that's going to take him to the next level. Uh, it's Because it's, he holds on to defense to, a little too high. I don't think that's a hot take. I think it's a hot take that he would get fired after this year. I think if they, I don't think they give him the extension unless they believe in him and they but believe that he's... he's not playing MPJ like they want him to. They, yeah. Everyone knows the front office wants MPJ to play. Yeah, and I would agree with that from the fans' perspective that like there's no way the Nuggets reach any kind of ceiling that anyone thinks that they can reach unless Michael Porter Jr. plays. And I can definitely speak to like the fans are 
the fans, while they appreciate everything that Michael Malone brings to the table as far as like making players earn it and making players play hard and playing defense and focusing on what matters and, and playing the game the right way, we're over it. We want to. We want to see a winner. <laughs> we just we're, we're over it. We're over <laughs> we it. We're okay. We're, we're <laughs> over. Like yes, don't skip steps. I get all that. But like at some point, we're trying to win the game. And like, skip steps. We're, we're, okay. okay. It's we're, time to skip one step. Come on. You now. have the talent to skip steps. <laughs> I think it's a hot take. For how sure. long do your yeah. legs have to be? MPJ's legs are long enough to skip some steps. That's yeah. that's pretty funny and and probably true. Um, Jake, do you have a hot take for us? Uh, it doesn't have to be Malone related. It's not because Malone's keeping his job. That's for sure. Uh, <laughs> this is so this is so on brand for me and Shap, by the way, to have like hot takes that are so different. Yeah, I mean, I'm surprised that you got a hot take. To be honest with you, I don't know if this is just a Shap and you thing. I just don't think that he was. Um, that's a pretty hot take for you. Yeah, I love Nikola Jokic more than anybody. Like, I I am a big believer in a passing big man. Uh, my favorite player ever is Bill Walton. Those who know me know I have a really close relationship with Bill. Um, I'm really good. I'm a really big fan of Wes Unseld, uh, Wes Unseld Jr., assistant coach's sure. dad. Um, I I love a good big passing big man. I actually believe in inside out NBA basketball as well. I think that's something that's completely viable even in today's day and age. Like that's why LeBron James is really good at what he does is because he facilitates from the inside out, even though it's sometimes even on the perimeter. My problem right now is I look at the Nuggets. Um, and obviously they've had this problem their entire existence as they've never won an NBA championship. I'm not sure that they can win a title with Nikola Jokic being their best player. I think that they need a better player than Nikola Jokic to be their best player. That's and a hot take. Michael Porter Jr. might end up being that guy at the end of the day, but you might look at something, and I, I've had this conversation with Matt Moore, and I don't know if he's completely fine with this being on the record or off the record, but... I've had this conversation with Matt Moore off the record just about like them trading for a player that's better than what they have and bringing in Giannis and Teta Kumbo in on that one-year rent deal the same way they did with Kawhi Leonard in Toronto. And I wonder if that's their best chance to win with Nikola Jokic because I don't know that Jokic can be the best player on a championship team given the way basketball's been predicated. Look, I mean, look, the first 35 years of NBA history, 32 MVPs were big men. Since then, three big men have won MVPs. Like, it's not a big man league anymore. It is a league predicated by guard play. And so I wonder if you can win a championship with your best player not being a perimeter player. And I'm not sure that that's possible, one. Two, I'm not sure that Nikola Jokic is a good enough player to be the best player on an, on a championship team. I mean, you really need a top three player. Nikola so, Jokic seems to me like he's a fifth or sixth best player in the NBA, not a top three player. And again, this is coming from legitimately the biggest Nikola Jokic fan out there. <laughs> like, I just want Nikola Jokic to win a championship. Yeah, I just I, don't know if it's possible that Nikola Jokic can be that. And I'm not saying it's not possible. I'm saying I don't know. Like today, right now, I'm looking at I don't know. I just have the questions. And I think maybe Nikola Jokic can be that guy, especially if Porter and um, Murray take a jump to where they're both top 50 players in the NBA, top 25 players in the NBA, maybe if we're both you know, really excited. But if, if you trade both of those guys and you end up getting a top two player in the NBA, a top three player in the NBA, and you put them right next to a top six player in the NBA like the Lakers did, 
with Davis and James, it makes it a lot easier. It makes it a sure. lot easier for sure. And and I I totally hear that. I think what we would get at with that is not necessarily that Jokic can't be the best player. It's that he needs a better second best player or maybe a better third best player. Because at this point we we're we're in the situation where Jokic was great tonight. He was he was really really good and he scored the ball and then. If he went back out there and they needed him to score some more, he probably would have scored some more. But the problem that they ran into was the others, was the the supporting cast, is that Jamal Murray wasn't really, he wasn't impactful. Will Barton was not impactful. You need another perimeter guy who can be impactful. But this is, again, you guys go right off of offense. You go straight to offense. Nikola Jokic cannot be your best interior defender. Like, you need someone better on the inside to be your best inside defender. Maybe not against the Rockets because they're not playing off the inside, but to me, Nikola Jokic can't be your best paint defender. You need someone better. Paul Millsap is that right now, um, and they hope Grant can eventually be that guy, but that's the problem. It's all defense. Like Mike Malone is the guy to be the coach because he wants to coach defense. The problem, again, to me, is they don't have the assets to be a defensive-minded team, and they're not gonna outscore anyone with the roster that they have because of the fact that they're an inefficient scoring team. Yeah, there's definitely there's definitely a juxtaposition there between what Malone wants to do versus what he has, what he has at his disposal. What I will, I, again, I will push back on is that the Toronto Raptors just won a championship with Marcus Gasol as their defensive center. And Jokic is approaching that level. He's actually been really good. Yeah. And if you if you get into that level, like you, you you need good perimeter defenders. The Nuggets don't really have those versatile. But they also had Serge Ibaka, and Kawhi Leonard, and, and Paul and uh, Pascal Siakam on that team. Sure. The Nuggets don't even have anyone close to those caliber of guys. Sure. I don't think that's a I don't think that's a negative reflection of Jokic though. No. Like like Marcus Saul won a Defensive Player of the Year. Like he was really good. And Jokic is approaching that level in terms of his overall impact. He also won a defensive play, a depoy when Tony Allen was on his team. You need help. Like, you're never going to be a super impactful defender unless you have other defenders around you. The Utah Jazz are learning this because they traded away Derek Favors and Ricky Rubio. Right. They instead got Mike Conley and Boyan Bogdanovich, and now their defense is in the shitter. You have to have five players who can play defense. And it's not just going to be on Jokic. It's not just going to be on Murray or anybody. It has to be the full five-man unit. The problem is that they're, they're Gary Harris is 6'4", or probably shorter. Will Barton is 6'6", and probably 175 pounds. Like, they don't have the size on the perimeter in order to make Jokic look like a, the elite defensive player that I think he can be. Uh, no, because it's blow-by after blow-by on the perimeter. Yeah, and he's just not going to deal with that. Nobody's going to deal with that unless you're Joel Rudy Embiid. Gobert. Yeah, Rudy Gobert, Joel, Joel Embiid. Embiid. Guys Fuck like Joel that. Embiid. Yeah. Rudy Gobert, like, what are we talking about here? Come on now. Yeah. Uh, okay, Luke, you have you have a hot take for us? I do, yeah. And I don't know exactly how it's going to happen, but, you know, this based out of, like, I trust Mike Conley way more than I trust anybody else inside the Nuggets organization. He's constantly done move after move, which has felt like 3D chess. You mean Tim Connolly? Oh, yeah, that's a bummer for me. <laughs> I hey, thought you, you, you had Mike Connolly on the mind. It's okay. Yeah. That's okay. He's a jazz ain't shit. Anyways. See, I'm going to have a too. podcast one day, and y'all are going to be on it, and it's just going to be me listing the things that ain't shit. 
<laughs> so Bradley Beal is going to be a Denver Nugget by the beginning of the 2020-21 season for the Denver Nuggets. I don't know how it's going to happen, and I don't know what the Nuggets are going to have to move in order to do it. But this is, to piggyback exactly off of what Jake said, is Nikola Jokic cannot be the best player on the Denver Nuggets if they're going to win a championship. Not to do with anything of the deficiencies that Nikola Jokic has, because I think he's a championship-level player. But it's where the NBA has gone. It's gone from the perimeter to the inside. And and I understand that Bradley Beal like used to be a good defender and like this year he's taking a year off, but like he also also dropped like 150 points in three games and they've gone 0 and 3. So he's just taking a he's just taking a I break. Feel for that, so he's just that taking a break. <laughs> so like I, I you can you can I'm sure you, there's lots of stats for Bradley Beal's defense and how they declined this year, but like if I'm dropping 150 points in three games and I'm 0 and 3, I'm gonna take a break. Look, up. nobody's trying to play defense in the Wizards. Exactly. That's exactly what Thank you. That's They're exactly. allowing 140 points a night. That's exactly what I'm saying. It's just playground ball. Bradley Bill's trying to do everything he can to will his team to a victory. Anyways, so I, that's what that's my hot take. Is we got we got Mike Malone being fired. We got the <laughs> Nuggets adding a player because they don't think that uh, Nikola Jokic can be the best player on a championship level team. And I have a specific player being Bradley Beal. So me and Jake same page. He just did a whole lot of a more explanation on that. It's book. it's good. No, I I I I can see that one happening. I mean, Nikola Jokic is legitimately already the second best player in Nuggets history. Yeah. So it's not like there's it's, it's David Thompson. It's it's Nikola Jokic. You um, have him over English? How dare you? I mean, Alex English. I, I love Alex English, but he's a compiler. He played his entire career. I mean, he played a long time for the Nuggets. Like <laughs> you look at the peak of the guys' careers. It's it's. I mean, David Thompson was arguably the most electric player of the 1970s in the NBA. Sure. Uh, and and his college career. Says so the youngest person in this room. So, <laughs> actually, Ryan, are you younger than Chad? Yeah, he's younger. But you've got two people that have lived in Carolina that aren't aren't saying anything on the David Thompson case, and he's from there. So, uh, w- what I'm trying to say is, it's fine if the Nuggets want to be the same team in Nuggets history that they've always been, which is the team that exists to lose the game in the Western Conference Finals, or exists to lose the team that gets close. Like, I just. I'm fine with that. Like, as a Nuggets fan, like, I'm used to the Nuggets playing good for the regular season, winning a playoff series in two, and then petering out. Like, they're not. They're ready to move on. They're ready. Are the they? Nuggets, Who? as a team, the Who players. Is? Gosh, I'm losing my voice, you guys. Oh, God. Yeah, we got to hurry up with this podcast. <laughs> but, but the players come and go. It's no, about I ownership. Know, I know that, but it's like. And it's about the fan base. And is the fan base and his ownership ready to be a demanding of a team to win a championship in Denver? And I don't think that's the case. I really don't. I don't think they have to yet, though, because Michael Porter Jr. is a rookie. And Jamal Murray hasn't even started his next contract yet. But like, you we're don't getting know. to a point where, okay, you, get, you can give them a year before demanding the championship. Sure, I think the but that, that's what you felt like last year. Demanding a championship, they were, the, they were a top-two seed Last year, and they're going to be a top two seed this year. At what point do expectations change? And the West was supposedly wide open this year. No, uh, I mean, okay, well, I mean, tell that to LeBron James. Uh, no, I'll tell to whoever you want to. <laughs> no, like you this. You guys this, want LeBron's number? I'll give it to you. That's nice. <laughs> uh, my hot take is that they make it to the Western Conference Finals this year. I don't think 
I don't think is that, that, is that only a, what is that job. only a hot take because of tonight or is that a hot take because I mean because that's why I had earlier in the year. No, it's something that I said I about because of how bad Malone's coached the team. How it's something that I said about a month ago. Job if they go there. Yeah, and, and <laughs> okay, whoa, 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 whoa. before because I I I agree with whatever Ryan's going to say. I'm sure ninety percent of the Sips audience does too. So it's not that much of a hot take. I'm sorry to ruin your bust your bubble, buddy. I think it's Whatever good. you, Luke, and Jenna are saying about coaching, what the hell do you know about coaching? What do you think coaches actually do? Because that's my question. None of us know what coaches actually do. None coaches of us do. No! No, you don't. Yes, I do. I played for a coach who was really hard. I played professional basketball. A coach has to motivate you. Not only does they, do you, they have to but, motivate you. But you played a different level of professional basketball than the level we're talking about. These guys are playing matter. for the, you still know what a coach has to do. A coach has to motivate. These guys the aren't playing for wins. These guys aren't playing to win championships. These guys are playing for their next contract. That's how the NBA works. They're not playing kind of. for wins. Kind of. They're all playing selfishly. The coach has to convince the guys to play though. as a team. I disagree team. with this because this team, if there's anything you ask them, and I did a whole pod on That's this, because they're talking their to the media. Culture. No, but they they're culture is bullshit. 100% of their... Leadership's bullshit. Even when they weren't talking to me, they literally, like, the way that they live their culture, the way that you see them sacrifice for each other, this team compared to other teams, even Jordan McRae coming in and, and, and being upset for not getting minutes... He came from the Wizards! So, yeah, but it's so different to what their culture is because they're all so willing to sacrifice for one another. Their culture is very much selfless, very much... Wanting to win as a team Gary Harris when I asked him during his biggest slump of the season I asked him what was going on and he openly like said like yeah, I've been struggling I know I'm gonna get out of it But at the end of the day is our team winning because that's what matters But our team winning is what matters It's not whether I get my points or I get my buckets or I have my stats looking good It's about whether the team wins or not, which is easy to say when you're sucking but as a personal player, that's easy to say. It's it's but also it, it's definitely different. Like I've been in the OKC locker room. I've been in the Houston locker same room. As me. They don't. It doesn't feel the same as what the Nuggets. It doesn't room need feels. to feel like that. Joe Tinker and Johnny Evers didn't talk for two straight Cubs championships. Like guys don't have to be on good terms for the team to be successful. Like that's such a misnomer. Like I'm friends, not they, they don't. Have to be on good terms. All right, we're we're going off the rails here. Uh, this is what happens when you get. Done. I mean, I, 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 one last thing before you shut it down. I would say, Jenna, I agree with you, but like, I think that using Gary Harrison's example is a bad example because dude already got paid. All of these guys have gotten paid. Pretty much, I'm not pretty much. They have to Gary Harris has gotten way paid. I'm not saying that they have to be on the same page to, or necessarily agree, or be like happy with each other, or happy with their role to be successful. But what I am saying is that they have to be on the same page as with their coaches, and however it's been. I don't understand it. I don't get it. But Malone has gotten them to be on their same page at the it very is, least. It is. It is true. He this has. Team is they as, all bought in. This team is as McCray. motivated and bought in as as I've as I've seen. I've I've been covering this team for a while now, and and they are completely. And if different they're not, then it's going to break through soon. From the it's first time that through. I was there in the 2016-2017 season, things have completely changed. Like. Gallinari was was very frustrated with with a lot of the things that were going on, and he was not buying into this whole defense thing. They got guys who are. They've got guys who can do this, 
and are going to do this. I think I think this team is going to the Western Conference Finals. I do believe that. I think this was a teaching experience. I think they now know, hey, look, we have data that says, look, these guys are not going to work against these guys. But these guys, they did okay. Let's see what they can do. Is that do. what Michael Malone needs? He needs hard evidence data to know that like what we already assume is going to happen has happened? He, well, he needed three games in the Western Conference first round last year before benching Will Barton. That's true. And and he, he it will take his time. But He's going to give his guys credit. He's going to give them the benefit of the doubt. But also, to like that point, to that point, a two generous hot take. That's the fans' it is a, frustration. It is, a, is going on? an extreme loyalty factor oh my to his guys. But anyone who's been involved in sports knows you can't just bench the guy that's a senior or a veteran right off the bat for a younger person based on a limited sample size. Anyone can have a bad game or two. That's true. I got, if you have I got matched as a senior for a freshman for baseball. Well, it sucked. I'm, right. It and, sucked. It, and you know what? It's not it, enough, it, it's But not it bothers small. all of your friends. Yeah. And all of a sudden, the friends start to turn on the head coach. And it really up. It, it turns it up. <laughs> we people we on sucked that year. Right. <laughs> it was not good. Right. And that's why it took three <laughs> games to do yeah. that in the Western Conference playoffs. Yeah, so, but I mean, it's not a small sample size anymore. It's not. No. I'm but, the biggest anti-MPJ person out there. But that's what Ryan it. is saying. It, it's, it, I think I that's what Ryan's saying. It's starting to become the time where you can make those decisions based on data rather than feeling. Sure. And Mike Malone seems to be a person that deals in data rather than feeling. Oh, I, I disagree. I think I think he I think sometimes he sometimes yeah, it's it's very much feel. But Maybe then eventually eventually when the yeah. data is too like undeniable is when he gets to that point. I put out this stat earlier today is that this this Nuggets group with Jeremy Grant, Torrey Craig, and Mason Plumley on the floor at the same time sucks. They are really bad together. And it's how it's much just have they played together uh, this year? Uh, it, it Twenty four times. hundred and thirty seven minutes before tonight. Is, is that a lot? The, it's it's a significant enough number to know whether it can be good or bad. Because to me, a, a coach's job, and, and this is where I differ from you guys in terms of in-game adjustments and stuff like that, a coach's job is to win within the margins. And something like that, figuring out which lineup works and which lineup doesn't, is winning within the margins because that can be the difference between plus four, minus four I, over over a small stretch within a game. I agree. And so I would, so yeah. that to me is what Mike Malone's job is come playoff time is finding a way to win within the margins and it's small things like that that's going to make the difference. And I'm not super patient as a fan, but I would like to state that like the core group of guys have played together as of tonight 24 times and the longest stretch they played together is a total of six games. So I'm willing to give Michael Malone some patience to figure out what lineup works and what minutes number works, which Ryan, you're really good at. Projecting those and dialing those up with the number. No, that's fine. I'm just going to give you credit. He, to the podcasters, is to trying to reject any and all compliments, and that's totally fine. But I am pressing through that. Um, that's what I'm just saying from the fan perspective. The fan perspective. Be patient, Denver Stiffs. Like, he's he's been able to, like, figure out a lineup for these guys 24 times. And he's just figuring it out. And here we are at the very end of February, tomorrow's March, and we have until we have a month and a half to figure out before the playoffs start what exactly this is going to look like. And to everyone else's point that we've just been belaboring, they're like, he needs hard evidence data. He has a month and a half to figure that out, and I think that this game tonight is going to go a long way to helping Malone figure that out. So 
There's your positive takeaway after a 29-point loss to the Clippers. <laughs> well, I have nothing more to add. On that note, does anybody have any parting thoughts that can actually top that one? Patience. Clippers ain't shit. <laughs> Clippers ain't shit. You heard it here first on the Denver Stiff Show. Border thank man you, gets paid. Thank you so much for tuning in. I'm your host, Ryan Blackburn at NBA Blackburn on Twitter. You can find all of these guys on Twitter as well. Uh, Jenna Garcia at Vita Viva Diva. Jake Shapiro at Shapalicious for his handle. Thanks, Shapiro. Check that one out. And then Luke Hutchinson at Luke R. Hutchinson on Twitter. We've got just a little bit of time before the playoffs start. It's crazy. It's it's moved real it quick. Cool. I'm, you know, I'm excited. The Nuggets ticket office keeps trying to lock me. <laughs> Got Little do they know I already have oh, March 18th, we get to play the Clippers again, y'all. Let's go. Hell yeah. Alright, we will see you guys next week. Woo!